3: Tone Master General across the way from me. Happy Wrong microphone. Sorry. We'll cover it up. It's okay. You and I were in deep discussion on one thing that we were discussing, whether or not we even want to bring it into the show, and I think we're going to bring it into the show later on. Don't want to do it now. I can't wait. Well, because you're going to get me up. I'm going to tell you guys later on around 720, I'm probably going to be a little bit upset with somebody else on the staff, apparently. I haven't heard this. Anthony told me about it. You are, you're definitely getting me worked into a shoot about it, so we'll, probably during the 720 segment, we will, uh, we'll go over this. Since I said it, we're going to play it now, so that, I don't know what he said, but it's going to be played. Is this incendiary stuff, Mitch?
2: Mm, it's questionably incendiary.
3: Okay, questionably incendiary. Well, 720, you know I'm an excitable boy, and I tend to get excited about this type of thing, so in the 720 segment, we're going to play it for everybody, and, uh. I mean, Andy's not here, so I can't end up in a meeting after the show anyway. So is this we'll going to mean that coming in hot is in jeopardy today? No, coming in hot is not in not in jeopardy. In fact, it, well, are you talking about it being dumped out and we can't do the segment? Just just
4: because our callers take the cues many times it's up to them. from the hosts. And if the hosts
3: are combative in any way, then what that does is it just adds fuel to the fire. It's up to them. I'm in their hands. I know we've gotten plenty of Jim Beheim calls throughout the uh Throughout the recent years, I've been a little sensitive to those. I don't know. We'll see if I let some of those through. We'll see how it goes. I I don't know what we're going to do at 940 when it comes to coming in hot. I I mean, it might be a venerable cornucopia of craziness and slander. My only threat is don't say anything that would have to be dumped. Because if you do, I'm going to ask the most diabolical question about the bronze you've ever heard. Another diabolical question coming up at 640 about them. Anyway... Enough telling you what's going to come. I'm going to tell you what, what I'm thinking right now. I get bothered by this because it. I think to you it sounds like sour grapes or just continuing to cry over what's happened in the past. When it comes to the Nick Chubb injury, because I I look at what Tom Pelissero had a huge long thing of of possible changes to the uh, to the rules coming up here. Uh, The NFL Competition Committee had meetings on potential rule changes. And Tom Pellicero gave you the the Cliff Notes version. And it it gets worse as it goes down the list here. It really does. And I get really upset about the whole rigmarole of of the drop-down tackling thing. Because one of the things here, it says, I'm just going to go right now. A rule proposal will be written on outlawing the hip-drop tackle... Defined by three components, grab, swivel, and dropping the weight on the back of the ankle. Only to be called when it's clear and obvious that all three components are present and officials are confident they can see it. There is support for outlawing it. Officials are confident that they can see anything. They're officials. You will not meet a more confident group than NFL officials. Everything they do, even if they know it's wrong, they will address it confidently. And I'm thinking, they can't keep up with the rule changes as it is. We're going to throw this at them. Hip drop tackling. We'll slow the games down even more. And also, I mean, part of it is there, there's going to be, it's a contact collision sport. There's going to be incidental things that happen. And I do. I get I get worked up into this. And you have, you've really dialed me. You You've, you've dismissed me at times. Because I'm thinking, well, this is this is going to be illegal and outlawed, but we can just go head first into a running back's knees? Head first? And I and my point of view on it is, you know, when it goes back to the Minka Fitzpatrick-Nick Chubb hit, there's a lot of guys who are playing for their careers, and they're supposed to make the tackle. They're supposed to do whatever they can to get in the way. However, when it comes to that type of tackling, we say, and this was said after the Nick Chubb incident, well, they, players need to protect each other. Players you want to give it to the players to protect each other, but you also want to put their livelihoods on the line that they need to make every tackle possible by any means necessary. See, that doesn't add up. Because I, I bring this up all the time now, because I've had to be bothered by this all the time, is that we, are living a, rules, we live in a, a society of rules and laws. Now, for the most part, society does take care of each other. We hear about all the bad stuff, but in a lot of days, it is... There are bad things that happen during a day of just regular living. Society, for the most part, takes care of each other. But when it doesn't, when something bad is supposed to happen or somebody has been wrong, there are supposed to be laws that are there to protect those people. Or for the people who have broken those laws, that there will be a punishment involved with it. It's not just, hey, we don't have any laws and we're supposed to just take care of each other. That's not how society works. I don't know why it's supposed to work here in a collision sport. Sorry. I'm off the dance. Go ahead. I think this will be terrible. I think this is
4: going to materially hurt the product every day and have people questioning officials every yes. day. You're putting officials in an impossible spot. Yes. Uh I had never heard now. I, I, I'm not a football guy. I'm not I'm not a John Dorsey. I like to consider myself more of an Andrew Barry, uh Ken Carmen. Mm-hmm. Um I'd never heard this term before. Has this term been around a long time? Has it been around for thirty years in no. football?
3: No. Okay. When's the first time you ever? It was heard called this term? a tackle up until about <laughs> yeah eight, seven months ago. Wait.
4: So so what happened? What what can you even explain what this is to people? Because I bet you a lot of people no, are listening. A lot of guys they don't even know what you're. Ta- say the term
3: again. I don't even think they it's know. It's called what it a hip is. drop tackle, and it and it make it does it will, when you see an injury happen, it makes you wince because it goes back to like Greg Kittle having his ankle rolled on. Because a person, as somebody, if you are coming at an angle, there will be a grabbed attempt around the hip. The body will then swing around the buttocks of Mm -hmm. the ball carrier. The lower trunk of the tackler will swing around the buttocks of the ball carrier. And the weight will then go on the legs. And as the weight goes on the legs, the object is to obviously bring the ball carrier down to the ground, make the tackle, and hopefully nobody gets hurt. But because we see this, and I'm not saying they're making rule changes because of fantasy implications, but they don't want their players who are stars getting injured, and owners are paying a lot of money, so they are the product, and they don't want those guys getting injured. And for some odd reason, there's a groundswell, and usually the groundswell from the fans is mostly because of those fantasy implications of people who want to do this. And I think it's almost impossible to legislate. Is is this... What about there are when, people who disagree with me, and i think yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody's saying it's going to be easy
4: to officiate. And the people when are saying. When has anything ever been easy never, to officiate never, in sports? Never. A, a goal in ten, the NFL. A goaltend in basketball, right? That seems like it should be easy. Nope. And a shot clock violation. It's something like Play this. Play clock violations. Nope. Something like this. Whether a pass is catchable or not. Nope. What the hell are you guys talking about? This is going to be
3: easy to spot. It goes back to the situation like a horse collar tackle looks terrible. But how many guys really got banged up because a horse from drawing the back of the jersey down to the ground? It looks bad. How many guys actually got hurt? Not as many as what people think. It's the same type of thing they're talking about with the fumbles for the end zone going, hey, there are 40,000 instances of people getting in the end zone or whatever the hell it was over the last how many years, and we've had four that have been fumbled through the end zone that people really care about. Okay, well, if we're going to do it like that, then let's talk about the tackling. Because for all of us, I mean, this was a tackle up until about 10 months ago, a regular tackle, and if something bad happens, that's unfortunate, but we don't want it to be that way. And I, I, my argument back with people is you could talk about safety all you want, but I don't think the general fan really cares as much as they say they do on social media. And you can talk about that, but also you're going to be slowing the game down because then you're going to have to review this sort of thing. And then after you review this sort of thing, I do think that there will be a time where take your pick of one of the Browns secondary players has a quote-unquote hip drop tackle and a penalty that maybe puts somebody in field goal range. And somebody somewhere is going to be saying, as I said to somebody this morning, uh, damn it. Ken was right. Cause I had just got that stealing feeling that we're going to come in here one Monday morning and, and so I'm just going go to go to low 92. And everybody's going to be cussing out the NFL. Well, I, I guess I don't understand if it's something we'd never because heard it's of something that looks bad. It's something if, that looks okay, bad. But
4: the makeup Fitzpatrick play looked bad. It looks worse. Looked way worse. Um, and I, I, I knew, I knew after that the NFL wasn't even going to say this was a problem. And they didn't. They nope. didn't really say it was epic. Did he even get a fine? Maybe he got a fine. I don't, I don't think, I don't know if he after did. The, after the fact, I'm like, I don't think they're ever taking that out of the game. I, I think the guys in the secondary, small guys in the secondary are always going to go low on ball carriers. Yeah. That one was worse because there was he, there was already a player engaged, but they're going to say, well, you'll never see that ahead of time as a as a defensive player. You're not going to be able to predict when that happens. It's yes. a split second. And so here we are. That's never going to be legislated out of the game. This I, I don't see the problem. I, maybe maybe football guys want to explain to me why. Have people been arguing for 20 years to take this out of the game? No. Are guys tackling in a no. different way?
3: It looks bad. It it looks bad because, and people pay attention to these people because, again, they, they are stars. When you had Greg Kittle get injured, when you had Mark Andrews get injured, do you remember that? Uh, these are guys who are stars that football fans know about. And when you have a league like... They're legislating to the injury again, which not a lot of people want them to do, but they do when it comes to the rule of grounding and how they're going to do that. Because there's definitely problems with the amount of quarterbacks that we've lost over the last couple of years where there was, what, 67 different quarterbacks this last year, 62 the year before. Uh, starting in the NFL, so that is a play that that is concerned that people are right, worked you gotta, up about. you got to explain
4: to people that one, too. Intentional
3: grounding fouls are way up 59 in 2023. These are intentional grounding calls that are way up 59 in 2023 and take a long time to administrate. There should be a rule change proposal aimed at reducing fouls and protecting okay. QBs. Okay, wait, wait. Aim. There should be less
4: protecting the quarterbacks? No, there's
3: more protecting the quarterbacks, so they're not going to call they as much... W- so an intentional grounding call may be called differently. It's encouraged to throw the cor- throw the ball away for the quarterback. Because if they're going to call less intentional grounding, what's the point of extending the play? I thought intentional grounding was great because the
4: quarter— Something that helps the defense. It helps the defense because it acts as a sack. It's a sack without a sack. Yes. So the quarterback doesn't get hit. He doesn't get harmed. He's throwing the ball away. So you're getting the best of both worlds. The, you, the quarterback's incentivized to throw the ball away so he doesn't get hit, mm-hmm. and we don't have quarterbacks getting injured. Mm-hmm. And the defense, they get rewarded because they made a great play and a great rush. or They, they called a, a, a great play at the right time to come after the quarterback. So what's the problem? What is the problem with quarterbacks? Can somebody tell me?
3: Because they don't want people hitting the quarterback as much. Right, clearly. but they're not.
4: that The quarterback's getting rid of the ball and throwing the ball illegally
3: away. They believe so that... What, if they're going to call... Like, I'm, I'm totally baffled I, right I now. would imagine... I, I, I can't explain something I wasn't in the room for. Yeah. But my, I read this from Tom Pellicero from the NFL Network, and I read this as if, if there is an incentive to throw the ball away and just live to see second and third down, mm-hmm. then you're just going to do that, which is something, by the way, we try to teach everybody out there, God knows who, and it doesn't matter what type of quarterback it is, but some of the excitement is that they, they extend plays. My thought, the bad part of it might be, is where you look at an intentional grounding call, and what used to be an intentional grounding call might be some sort of illegal contact with a quarterback or something like that. Is that how a referee might interpret that? Uh, I think that... This is a collision sport, guys. I I don't advocate for injuries. I don't like injuries. I don't look at injuries. I'm not one of these people who get on Instagram and like to see this type of thing at all. I wince. Uh, But but it is a collision sport where things happen.
4: We don't need to change a rule just like... Every time there's a car crash um, out, outside of the freeway on the Interbelt Bridge, we don't need to completely change it. We've accepted there are going to be some car crashes. And on the football field, there are the equivalent of car crashes. They've done their best. My God, what sport has done more to try to mitigate that stuff? I, I like that we're always trying. We should. We should always see, are there new trends? Is the hi- Is this, hi- what's it called, the hip Hip drop. They hip drop. You better is, get used to it because we're going to be talking.
3: They're going to pass this next month and we this are going to be bitching a, If up a it's store. a
4: trend and you show me the data, and I'm sure they'll say it. Now here's what, what I like. I got on my high horse time and time again about the brotherly shove, the bush push, whatever. Yeah. And I said, Well, this is this is going to ruin football mm-hmm. if every team is starting at, you know, first that's down a, and eight. That's where first the term old battering
3: Ram Watson came from.
4: Yeah, because I thought, oh, well, we'll just be able to to easily get a yard whenever we want. And then every team's gonna be doing this. And it 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 changes the dynamic of competitive play. Well, I was wrong. And the data has come out, and the NFL produced the data, which was this is not a play that's working for anybody. Mm-hmm. The Eagles were the only team it's working for. They're losing the 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 prime uh the driving force of that play being effective. Jason Kelsey is leaving is leaving the sport, and no other teams have been able to replicate it. I don't know if it. that's
3: fully confirmed okay. just yet. Because I know on WIP they were asking a question like, should right. they put a hard deadline on him? Sorry, yeah. go, ahead, go ahead. Yeah,
4: so that's no, it's good to note. So either way, the, the, the point is that it's not working the way that I thought it would be. When I was screaming about this saying this is going to change competitive balance in football – Um, it's going to make it impossible for defense. No, it hasn't. None of that's true. In fact, nobody can run this play except the Eagles. So I was wrong, and I'm willing to admit it, and the NFL said they investigated it. The NFL put this under the microscope and then compiled all the data. They talked to all the teams, and then they realized, oh, this is something that you should not penalize a team that can do it well, and there aren't injuries associated with it. What I?
3: No, because they're going to say that's because of safety. My whole issue before was head safety, head safety, head safety. That's a big issue. Mm-hmm. But when you start to legislate some of the other things, like you could take a horse collar tackle and say, well, the force to the ground of the back of the head is really, really bad. And I could say, okay, in theory, that's it. Going right against what I said earlier in this segment. If, there, if you're telling me there is data that tells me that there are concussions that are sustained because of horse collar tackling, obviously we're fine. But if we're talking about other incidences here, again, it's a physical sport played by grown men. So if we're going to start to legislate that and open up that box, then I need to open up the box about protecting a running back and protecting a guy like Nick Chubb because that play may change his career forever. If we're talking about protecting Mark Andrews and protecting George Kittle, why can't I protect Nick Chubb? Nick Chubb's a star to me and the entire bronze fan base. See how ticky-tack we can get about this? I think this is going to be a total fiasco. Coming up at 8 o'clock, John The excuse me, Dr. John Steinbrecker is going to join us, Mid-American Conference Commissioner, and at 7.20, I guess some sparks are about to fly here on The Fan. Up next, Lyman wants Ohio State basketball to be good, but I don't think he wants them to be that good. About last night, next on The Fan. Now, the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima give their thoughts on what you might have missed about last night. Folks, Ohio
4: State basketball is back, at least back potentially in the bracket picture, Kenny,
3: (laughs) with 17 wins. There we go. What has
4: happened to the once-proud NCAA tournament where Ohio State was a total dumpster fire all year? They win a few games. They, They beat Purdue. That was a huge game. A quad one win, Kenny. Yep. A celebrated quad one win, maybe one of the best wins of the season in all of college hoops beating Purdue, number two ranked at home. Then a buzzer beater in East Lansing, which was absolutely incredible. And then yesterday, just simply handing their business against Nebraska. And so now there's even talk of going to the NCAA tournament, which you can imagine some Buckeye fans are going to start to sing the praises of Jake Diebler for the next head coach. Forget the coaching search. You've got the guy Right there in Columbus on the sidelines right now. Look at how he's don't galvanized be, don't you beat me the to entire the community. Don't
3: you beat me to the troll. Because I said to you last night, you're getting Jake Diebler. And a lot of people got it. You don't hire the interim, Can I go, well, he's doing a great job. Doing a great job for you, and really, what I was doing was wringing my hands together like an evil villain, going. <laughs> <laughs> now I got nothing against Jake Diebler. I mean, hell, he could be a really good basketball coach, but I knew it's not the name that Ohio State fans want, especially after you shared the Jamie Shaw article from On Three, uh, where he had said that quote, or he would found somebody that say quote, this is an upper tier job in the Big Ten that comes with a big time fan base. And financial support, an ACC coach told him. A coach in the Big 12, which is a very good basketball conference, took it one step further saying, quote, they're easily the best job in the Big 10, and they have terrific resources, end quote. The Speaking best about that, Ohio job State in the Big 10? Yes, the best job in the Big 10. Wow. That's what a Big 12 coach said. I mean, forever, the best job in the Big
4: 10 was probably Indiana. Oh, yeah. And Indiana's going to be available again. Because all the resources went to basketball. Yeah. Um, you know, if Izzo would have stepped away, you might have said Michigan State because of the pipeline, the, the, the Flint-Detroit no. pipeline.
3: Ish- Ishbia and Gilbert are going after each yeah. other to see who could Big be boosters. loved by the most by the coach. Huge yeah. boosters. So, yeah. But to have
4: somebody say Ohio State, which is – Look, I never called it the best job of the Big Ten, but I've always said it could be a top 15 job in the country. People laughed at me. Either way, Jake Diebler after the victory yesterday and how the Buckeyes have responded to adversity. A lot of times when you go through adversity and we've colored. Okay,
1: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
4: It's been painful at times collectively we've been able to have some really good moments together and some fun moments and I think these guys you know they're playing with an edge right now and they're playing with with a great deal of confidence and aggressiveness but you're seeing the character kind of of the people in this program.
3: It's it's being revealed at a high level. I'm really happy for our guys to be able to experience this, our, our, our staff to be able to experience the success we've had, but make no mistake, like our guys have earned it, and I think it's important to know that.
4: Am I supposed to root against Ohio State basketball so that he's not the coach and the guy I wanted to be the coach You the have coach? said
3: before, you have been on record many <laughs> times and you can't go back and flip flop. You've been on record saying you will root against your own team to get a coach out of there so they make the right decision. So is Jake Diebler the right decision in your eyes? No,
4: no. Um, You laid it out in that article that Ohio State with NIL now, the the way the situation with NIL Mm -hmm. has come to fruition, Ohio State doesn't need a mid-major coach on the way up. They can just pluck. If they have the money, if they have the money and the resources, they can just go pluck a good coach. Because coaches are not happy where they're at if they don't have enough money. Why deny
3: it? Why deny good coaching? This is what you guys all want with Brian Hartline. You want Ryan Day out and Brian Hartline to be the head coach? Don't don't come after me. You guys tell me this, all you Ohio State fans. Well, no,
4: that's not me. Who said that.
3: Okay, but I didn't say you. I said all you Ohio State fans. There's more than just you, obviously, out there. <laughs> well, you guys say you. Uh, Hody, put your mic on. You're all Ohio State fans wearing Ohio State headphones. Isn't that what you want? You want Ryan Day out and Brian Hartline as the head coach? I want
0: Ryan Day out, but I want Mike Vrabel as
3: the head coach. Okay, well then, fine. Then right. I guess I'm wrong with Hody. That's the right answer, by the way. I get a lot of people say, why can't Brian Hartline be the head coach? Okay, well, Jake Diebler. You probably get your Sean Miller. Well, then there are going to be people. There are going to be people
4: swept up in in a lot of this if they keep winning games and they make a a some sort of a Big Ten tournament run. They have Michigan next. They're a disaster. Then they have Rutgers. Then you'd have the Big Ten tournament, I mean, it is out there in front of them. They could play their way into the NCAA tournament, and then who knows what happens. I mean, if he gets them to the – if they make the tournament and then get to the second weekend – What are you going to do? Are going to deny yes. him? Yes. Um, and then behind the scenes, I'll say, go get Sean Miller. Go get Scott Drew. So, well,
3: the best there. thing about Ohio State and is keep that Jake you, De-
4: keep keep Deebler on the
3: staff. Your program really likes name brands. And Jake Deebler. while well, that last name is synonymous yeah. with Ohio State basketball – it's not necessarily the name brand. I mean, you did have Jay Wright have to on a halftime show on CBS yep. say, hey, I'm not in the running for this. I was told he was Whether contacted. Whether that's the truth, I don't know. But, you know, he had to say it on a CBS halftime show. Yeah.
4: Meanwhile, Cavaliers get ready for their game against Detroit tonight. And then on Sunday against the Knicks, paid attention, Knicks are struggling. Knicks lost last night at MSG to Steph Curry. Almost called him Mark Price there for a second. Uh, To Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. Don't get me started. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Adam Amin. Give him his flowers. Adam Amin. It's a vibe. Who did the Bulls. Stand on business. He did the Bulls-Cavs game in Chicago. Uh, He had this to say on the afternoon show about some of the wine and gold issues offensively. I don't see a ton of difference in the style of play game to game. I think in-game is when you see a lot of the peaks and valleys, right? And whether that's rotational base, whether that's movement-based, whatever that's based on that given night, this has been an up-and-down team. They could have big leads, and that lead can dissipate very quickly all of a sudden. Like, as good as they are defensively overall game to game, I think against the better offensive teams, they fall into some lows, whether it's on offense with ball and player movement, or whether it's on defense with pre-rotational stuff. Now, come playoff time, is that gonna hurt more? Yeah. Right now, no, it doesn't really matter how much they're still what twenty five and seven or something like that, or whatever, twenty-five and eight the last thirty some odd games. But come playoff
3: time, I think that's when that could become more of a factor. All right, obviously,
4: we're gonna be doing a ton of scoreboard watching down the stretch to see where the Cavs uh where where they end up finding a home seed wise.
3: So the T, Adam. What T? I don't know. I guess we stand for Adam Amin now. I don't know. So, right now, the
4: Celtics, eight games ahead of everybody in the Eastern Conference. The Cavs and the Milwaukee Bucks, um, both are eight back, but Cavaliers, percentage points ahead. And then the Knicks, and the Knicks have struggled mightily. They're 3-7 and in their last 10. They're dealing with injuries. They're missing three starters. That game Sunday, you got to win. I mean, the Cavs have to win that game. You feel like they have to win that game against the Knicks. Because they are a one man team right now with Jalen Brunson. Yeah. It feels like he has to shoot must win Knicks Every time on out there. And then of course the Cavs take on the Boston Celtics. And a sobering story. This one, uh, this came as a shock to some. Must win. Uh over the last twenty-four hours. But Notre Dame College shutting down, which of course means that athletically they are shutting down as well, which Terrible. makes things very difficult for a lot of student athletes here in the area as Notre Dame made that decision yesterday. And uh, Garrett Mack, is that the head coach? That's the head coach. Um, he went on social media. The Fighting
3: to- Falcons on football,
4: yeah. Yeah, they had a, a whole signing class, 17 players all from Ohio, yep. that they finished up on signing day just three weeks ago. And now they're all looking for a home, along with how many student athletes at the school, not just football, but uh, everywhere, Kenny. Just a, a tough story. I mean, we, we're, we talk about college football at the top, you know, with the big programs and NIL, oh. this is a very different level of football. But it puts a lot of people in a very tough spot.
3: Football programs going away is not necessarily something new. I mean, that's been going on a very long period of time in college football. The whole schools shutting down—that's a, that's a totally different animal. I've been on that campus. It's a beautiful campus. Uh, it's a shame that the school's shutting down. Uh, if I was an alum, I'd, I'd honestly I'd feel heartbroken. I know there's been rumors about my. School in the past and all that stuff. And I was like, gosh, I'd feel like I wasted my time there, to be honest with you. It'd be terrible. 94 uh, kids, 22 yeah. new signees, according to Coach Mack. Feel, feel terrible. Uh, feel terrible for the coach, the coaching staff. Obviously, the players. Uh, you're thrown into this chaos here. These are D2 players. It's not like it's Major D1 or anything like that. I mean, some of these guys, I don't know if they're going to play football. I mean, it's, it's a very difficult thing to see. God bless them. I hope it I hope it turns out and I hope it turns out soon for all these guys. That's an that's a real shame. That's a terrible, terrible thing that happened. Yeah,
4: and obviously on this on this station, when we're talking about signing day and you know, guys doing the hat dance, trying to trying to go on national television and go viral with where they're gonna end up. We don't we don't talk about division two, division three, we don't talk about NAIA. You know there are so many opportunities for kids, and when a school shuts down like this, that's an elimination of all those opportunities. Yeah. Ninety-four kids in that program. Yeah. Um. Not to mention Coach Mack and his staff, guys that are, they're working their butts off. Yep. You know,
3: this is a career for them. They're working their butts off. They Even don't fewer get... opportunities for them. I mean, high school jobs are swallowed up by now. I, I know that there's going to be some guys who retire after the after the school year. They're yeah. teachers, so they might step away. But uh, this is very very difficult. Very difficult to see and, and I mean you pr- you pray for the players because that's just to have your whole future turned over like that is And awful. obviously if any awful. if anybody
4: is listening that has any opportunities Walls, for Walsh
3: Wall- University has offered made offers yes. to
4: not I don't know about the football players or the the athletes or they're but talking the about
3: the students in general. Which yes. is
4: cool. Which is, yeah. which is which is which is really cool because people want to have a place to <laughs> To go to go study to go get yeah. that degree I mean think about it if you're going in your senior year there I mean they are ceasing operations in right after Terrible. spring yeah. that's it you're set scrambling
3: that's it for about last night hey I have employees there that aren't just teachers and things like that that's it's just awful all the, all together uh, I got you want me to share one more for about last go night ahead. with you uh, woke up this morning, Sam took another number two in the dining room, and then when I cleaned it up, it clogged the toilet downstairs. <laughs> That's it for about last night. Coming up at eight o'clock this morning, Dr. John Steinbrecher, Mid-American Conference Commissioner, he'll join us. UMass is in the MAC, and there's a lot of changes coming to college sports, NIL, and all the rest. How does the MAC continue to keep itself away? From some of these other conferences swallowing everybody up. And coming up next, an ESPN football analyst says we're all ignoring the elephant in the room this offseason. Ken Carmen, Anthony Lima, take us with you to work on the free Odyssey app. There is a big-time NFL analyst from ESPN who says we are ignoring an elephant in the room this offseason with the Cleveland Browns. More on that in a moment. But ladies and gentlemen, ho down, hody with a wonderful live read.
0: What did Anthony Lima miss the most during his paternity leave? Carmen and Lima's emerging podcast scene. Of course, check out the live versions Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 10 15 on 92, three, the fans extra channel, part of the Odyssey app presented by extend technologies. Remember we archive all of the episodes. An Odyssey station. two
3: one six four seven four double o ninety two. 92 Seth Walter of ESPN. There was an article that came out on ESPN.com of a, NFL predictions, the experts they have. They're debating Super Bowl matchups, their picks, the whole thing. Uh, We got one guy picking the Lions. uh, Who's who's picking the Browns? uh, I didn't see one, and I'm just making sure that I didn't see. A lot of people picking the Lions in the Super Bowl this coming year. And there is one person, Dan Graziano, who is picking the Bengals over the Lions. Uh, So they got the Bengals doing that. Uh, Off-season wish list here, and this is where it gets uh, a bit interesting. Seth Walter, ESPN, of the wishes that they have for football teams this off-season, the moves that they would make. Walter says, the Browns trade for quarterback Justin Fields. This is a wild one, I know. But if I were the Browns, I would look at Deshaun Watson as mostly, and this is one of your favorite terms, a sunk cost. And try to upgrade a quarterback with no first-round pick and so much money already headed Watson's way. This would be tough to do. But trading a second or third-round pick for Fields, still on his rookie contract, is feasible, and I'd like to see Fields in Kevin Stefanski's offense. The alternative is simply hoping that Watson improves and, if not, wasting another year of a talented roster. Now, we are in the combine time In the NFL, a lot of moving and shakings going on. We heard that New England might be interested in him and making a move there. They're saying the bones of a deal might already be put together. Adam Schefter had said that their bones of a deal might be already getting put together in the NFL with Ryan Poles and whoever's out there. We also heard the Patriots are interested in Joe Flacco for crying out loud. I mean, I could sit there and say both quarterbacks have a chance. I have no chance of playing for the Cleveland Browns coming up, but either way, I mean, Seth Walter is looking at right in the hairy eyeball here. And I want to know how many people actually agree with him because I have not... I got my takes on quarterbacks this year. I ain't going to kid you. Like, I'm not in on, well, what's Caleb Williams doing today? What's he doing tomorrow? What did his his family members say? What did his friends say? I'm not doing that for Drake May or or Jaden Daniels or Bo Nix or Michael Penix or anybody else that I could, J.J. McCarthy or anybody else you could think of off the top of your head. I didn't do any of it. Didn't do any of it. It's a non-starter for me. Maybe a late-round draft pick if you wanted to do that again. But honestly, I've been thinking free agent quarterbacks here to back it up. I, I, I don't see a way, if you believe that they need to get out of it, I don't believe that there's a way out of it. And I really don't want to get out of it just yet. I don't want to get out of it. Uh, the, the money is there. That's that's too much. But I you made your bet, and I think you need to lay in it and figure out whether or not that this thing is going to work. Well, you have I, you to. really need you to. You have
4: to at least this year. I've seen some people start to talk about, well, if it, could they get out of it the way that the Broncos are in the process of getting out of theirs with Russell Wilson? But th- this is structured differently, and this would be more punitive to the Browns, I think, than even the Russell Wilson to the Broncos. But you still have to give it one more year. You know, it would be you one thing. You agree with me. Yes. It would be one thing if he showed no glimpses last year. He did show glimpses. Um and I know there's been a, a huge debate about the second half of Baltimore how how much of that was peak Deshaun Watson how much of that was well a bunch of dink and dunks and and a couple scrambles Either way there were glimpses like you can't deny there weren't those glimpses and I get it like Carson Wentz tomorrow could go out and show some glimpses he could he he's a, he's an amazingly talented QB that that basically looks like it's over for his career Deshaun Watson, I can't say that yet. I, I still, I still have to see it another year. Plus, the way the contract is structured, I don't think. I, I think it would hamstring them to such an extent. And now, what, what is the, what would be the, the, the field's trade? What would you have to give up? I just have so to now ask everybody. So now I'm everybody. doubling
3: down on more assets and more assets and more assets. Yes, what the trade is? I just, I ask anybody. Like I, I get these emails. Like this is why I ask people because I get crazy emails from people every day about trading this guy. I do, and I, and, and for the most part, I ignore them. The Mike Tannenbaum trade got brought up a couple of weeks ago. He wanted the whole, didn't he mention Justin Fields or something like that? And my my issue was, if you're a fan of any other team, are you trading for Watson? No. If you're a general manager with any other team, are you trading for Watson? I'm no. I'm trying to think of which you're team, not trading which team would do it right now. Because of the, the contract. If the
4: Browns called, if the Browns started shopping Deshaun Watson with the contract situation, what it is. What team would do it?
3: The contract is unmovable. The only who one would, I could who would who would do it? The
4: only one I I, I was thinking maybe Atlanta. That was the only one I, don't I could think, think so. I don't think so. And I and nope. You know not anymore. The perception, even though I I think I think a lot of it has calmed down. I think if you trade for Watson, it all inflames. I think now we get back to the rusty Harden versus who who's the other lawyer? I mean, I think that it gets right back the to guy that. the guy with a shark Busby. tattoo. Yeah, Busby. Yeah, that's it. I think all it, see. I had forgotten. That was daily language Every for us, for and I had summer. already forgotten. So if you trade for him, then it drums a lot of that back up. Maybe maybe people, it's years removed, so people don't care as much. I know there's still a couple of cases. But overall, I think Atlanta might be the only team that would do it, and you're telling me no, they wouldn't. No,
3: I don't. Why? Why would you? I mean, you could start all over again he's with another quarterback. Still better than what they have. It, it, yeah. Well, then Desmond Ritter, of course yeah. he's better than Desmond Ritter. But I'm thinking of it like, why do I need to go out and get Deshaun Watson now? Why wouldn't I just go out and get mm. – Remember, there was the idea that he was going to be a MVP-style quarterback. I mean, you asked me the question over this week, and we haven't brought it to the audience yet. Would you be happy if he was Russell Wilson? And what did I yeah. tell you? I said, you yeah, said yes. Because I, I, at least it's better than what I think could possibly be the alternative – where, if he gets hurt again, we are just waiting for Watson if, this entire time. Yeah, if he we had, have, and I'm saying, if he had last year's Russell Wilson yeah. year, which
4: was productive, he got benched, a lot of it's contract related, but he was playing well enough to keep the
3: job, yes. keep the starting job. So, are we denying the truth here? 216 474 0092, Seth Walter, ESPN, says that the Browns should be going after a quarterback here. Do you agree with Seth Walter? Should the Browns be going after a quarterback here? Should we be looking at Deshaun Watson as a sunk cost? Lyme and I, we are still driving right into there. 216-474-0092. Thanks for giving me the proper time on that, Hody. Really well produced. Um, I, I still say no. I still hold down on Deshaun Watson and say that while it hasn't been great, there's been some issues there. I I can't necessarily just give up on it right now. I can't do it. And I, as as much as I think so many people wonder what is happening here, as far as whether they're going to be a good football team with them or not? I'm not necessarily sure on that, but I'm just looking at it thinking, all right i gotta le I, I got continue to drive through this tunnel because I, I just don't see any way out of it there's There's no other way out of it other than to push through." with Deshaun it, Watson, whether any of you guys like it or not, and I know a lot of people don't. And think about it. You, you'd say, well, this is going to – if
4: you think he's terrible, if you think Deshaun Watson is done, he's lost his confidence, his mechanics are shot, he's never going to be accurate again, and he's he's only going to get more and more injured. That happened this year. All of what I just said kind of happened this year. He did lose his mechanics. He did lose his confidence. He, he did struggle. He got injured, and he still made the playoffs. So it's not a doomsday scenario this year. Yeah, long-term – We'll have some issues. But I I can't make an argument to say that if if he comes back next year, it is terrible. They're, they're, this is going to ruin the franchise. Well, it didn't this year. If it didn't this year,
3: I don't think it would next year. They still have enough is in it, place. Is it a wish or is it a non-starter? You get what I'm saying? Like, if a person's like, oh, I wish we could move on, but we can't even do it. Like, that's... That's different. If you still have confidence in Deshaun Watson, well, fine. I, I'd like to hear it because, there, again, there were glimpses, but we're holding on to glimpses here. We're not really going forward and saying there's sus- consistent, sustain, sustained success right there out of Deshaun Watson. We're not saying it just yet. So if I go into this year, I'm looking at can he play physically? Okay, that's a question. And the other thing is, are we going to be able to make it through or, or make it just through out of this contract, or is this just what it is? And you really don't have hope for it. And you don't have hope that there can be a replacement this season. 216-474-092. Should the Browns be going after a quarterback already? According to Seth Walter, he thinks they should be. He thinks it's just a sunk cost, and we are wasting a good roster right now at the Cleveland Browns. We'll get to you guys. And big changers are coming to the sidelines in the NFL. Also, help me with my neck, please, at 745 on the fan.
1: Okay, picture this.